0: Welcome everybody to another RPC Bible study that we're going to be recording for your well-being and hopefully everybody will be able to learn something about the scriptures here. The first week we started with the background section of how we're doing our formal structure of study by going through all those genealogies and kind of looking at the people of Jesus's genealogy as recorded by Matthew. And we talked through what Matthew was writing this book for and his audience and all of that. And then we moved into last week observations covering verses 18 and 19 of chapter one. And we talked through, hey, let's try to pick out at least 20 observations per verse and uh, see how good our skills are of seeing what we can find within the scriptures. And a lot of them are going to be useless, and other ones very interesting and fascinating to notice. So you always have to sift through that. This week, we're going to do another micro-study where, and I say micro in the sense that we're covering very short chunks of scripture here, just for the purpose of of training and doing an example of doing the study together. And then in future weeks, we will be going through much larger pieces at a time having already prepared in advance. With today's study, we're going to cover interpretation and application. Interpretation, I always tell people that the main thing you want to do here is to ask a lot of questions. The more questions that you can have about a passage, the better you will be able to interpret and try to understand things that you might not have even thought to look for before. So learning the art of asking good questions is essential to proper biblical understanding. And so I always break this down for people into, into five different types of questions. And I'm sure there are other types out there, but these are the ones I find most useful The first are basic questions, which are things that are answered directly by the passage itself. So if the passage is Jesus wept, and you ask the question, who was weeping? That's a very basic question. It's right there in the passage, Jesus. Second type of question, intermediate, where you're asking something that is only answerable by looking outside the passage, but within maybe the immediately surrounding passages or something that you've already observed from your extra textual material in the Jesus wept passage, I can ask, why was Jesus weeping, right? And you can read the passage around and see that Lazarus has just passed away, and these people were not having faith in his appearance to be able to handle the situation, and there's all kinds of reasons that are connected there that you can just look right around, and there's the answer. The third is more difficult questions, which would be, you know, if I were to ask, and I guess I should clarify, difficult questions are answerable, but they require more substantial research that you're not going to be able to do in five minutes. If Jesus wept is the passage, then I could start asking other questions like, well, what is the full range of Jesus's emotions? And I can do a biblical study and find all kinds of emotions that Jesus expresses in scripture. That's a question that's prompted by the passage, but it's something that would take a lot of research. I can't just look for a quick reference and find it. Fourth type of question, critical thinking questions. And those are questions that are not answerable, where there is still value in thinking through what the answers might be and trying to to at least come up with the best answer, right? And so there's all kinds of critical thinking questions that come up in scripture that we don't have definitive absolute answers for. Predestination and free will, for example, is a critical thinking question because there is never going to be an absolute answer in scripture that satisfies everybody. Yep, that's it. We do know that those questions still hold value in trying to understand who God is and why he does what he does. And the last type of questions are categorical questions, which is where we're asking, why is this passage here? Why did the author include this particular phrase? How does this connect to the verse before, the verse after, to the theme of the book? And so by asking those categorical questions, we can be in a position of uh, trying to understand not just the immediate language of the text, but also the broader purpose of why the author is writing what he's doing and how this fits into that scheme, which is essential for understanding scripture. After interpretation, we'll move on to application, which my rule of thumb for application is that you want to have it be something observable. So if it cannot be observed, it's not a proper application. So if your application is, well, I'm going to love my brother more, that's not an actual application. That's a general idea. Whereas a true application would be, I'm going to love my brother more by giving him a back massage. That would be something more practical. Always find a way to connect the application to the passage itself. For purposes of training, like we've talked about before, this is not necessarily when you're just doing a Bible study generally, but when we're training each other on how to study the scriptures and becoming uh, equipped to do that, I always tell people, just like we did 20 observations per verse on observations, now for interpretation, I want 10 questions per verse, and for application, I like to think of five applications. And then we always pick one and say, we're going to follow through with that. So that's an overview of what we're going to do today. Does anybody want to open us up with reading the remainder of Matthew chapter
1: 1, starting with verse 20? But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to def- To fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus.
0: So, with that being read, let's now start with verse 20 and start processing some questions that you guys might have about the passage and if you don't have actual questions and you think that's pretty straightforward right remember we want to be thinking of questions whether they're easy to answer or hard doesn't make a difference let's just start coming up with things to ask Uh, Because even if you already know the answer to the question, and therefore it's not really a question for you, the reality is, is that you might be reading scripture someday with somebody who doesn't know what you know. And it's good to be able to think up these questions so that even if you know the answer right off the bat, if you're working with a younger believer, it's nice to be able to process things that you could ask them that they wouldn't be able to know, but that will help them understand the passage. Questions
1: away. Let's go. This is from verse 20 to end of the chapter,
0: right? Uh, For right now, we're just doing verse 20.
1: Just verse
0: 20, okay. I got
2: a question for verse 20. What was the time period which Joseph spent thinking about this? It says, as he considered these things, and we also know that it was uh, revealed to him in a dream. This is a dream-like vision. So it was at least a day. So what was the time period? All right,
0: and what type of question
2: is that? Uh, i mean it'd be be a simple question in that the only evidence we have is from the text i think but it might also be unanswerable
0: right so it's it's actually a uh, what i would call an intermediate question because it is answerable from the text just not verse 20 itself it's answerable from the surrounding verses so does anybody want to take a stab at what the answer to that question is and we always for interpretation want to try to answer the questions if we come to the conclusion, I don't know, that's an acceptable answer. I get that conclusion a lot.
3: Tom, can you repeat the question? The question was,
2: what time period did Joseph think about these things before receiving the vision and coming to the conclusion, which is, you know, when he woke up? Sorry, that's going into the answer territory.
3: I guess the so- an easy answer to that is after he was betrothed and found out that she was pregnant. So Then the question would become, how long does it usually
1: take before one finds out they're pregnant
2: well that's a slightly different question so another question that i was thinking of in a previous verse was when did mary tell him when did mary tell joseph or how did joseph find out did she only start to show did she go off and live with elizabeth for three months uh, and then come back with a visibly swollen belly or or did she tell <laughs> joseph and then go off to elizabeth i'm, I'm not sure but that's a different uh, yes. verse
0: so you're looking for something pretty specific because the immediate answer that jumps into my head is if most people think Jesus was born in 3 BC, then wouldn't the answer be this is happening sometime around 3 to 4 BC? <laughs> but yeah, if you're looking in relation to other events, then uh, go ahead. What's, what's your thought? My thought,
2: and this is at least this is how I always read it, was that Mary received the vision from Gabriel received the message from Gabriel and then told Joseph that she was pregnant immediately uh, and then Joseph w- was like well is is she telling me the truth is she actually still a virgin and as she is she pregnant or is she telling me this because she's trying to cover her lie by making up a fantastical story and so that in a few months she's going to start growing and then she's going to have an excuse like is she just being is she is she making these claims now so that it's not an uncomfortable conversation later so my immediate thought was that it was immediate
0: well we can assume that uh, from verse 18 right it says before they came together meaning before they had sex from their marriage she was found to be with child from the holy spirit found to be with child doesn't uh, ring the same to me as it was announced that she would be with child Mm. right instead it sounds like people already knew she was pregnant at this point when her belly started showing Others were noticing, and Joseph's thinking, oh man, this is getting really embarrassing for me. Uh, I might have to get out, right? <laughs> so the way that that brings about makes me think that it was after she was already starting to show her baby bump.
2: Yeah, that to be found with child is a, is a killer. But then also in verse 19, he resolves to divorce her quietly. Can you divorce a woman who's visibly pregnant quietly?
0: Absolutely. Publicly divorcing, some people would you know, stand up on a street corner and Say, I divorce you three times in some cultures, right? It happens. In fact, I've had clients who were from Muslim countries that yes. literally did that in public. They would go out and say, I divorce you three times, and they didn't realize that they were still bound by the laws of the state in which they were living for other purposes. <laughs> They're like, why do I have to go to court to get divorced? I'm already divorced. I said it. <laughs> anyway, that's sidetracked a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's a good point, though. It, 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 yeah, there was, there was definitely going to be a, a display of these things in that time and it may have been that he just took a different approach but yeah she could have been visibly pregnant but that's that's okay so that's interesting so that means that if that's the right answer then it was several months after so she she didn't tell Joseph until several months after possibly after leaving to see Elizabeth even
0: Oh, I thought you were asking when verse 20 came, though, which is when the angel comes to Joseph. So Joseph knew about it. He was contemplating these things for a time. Uh, We don't know how long he was contemplating them exactly, but 19 tells us that, you know, he was thinking about it. Verse 20 starts as he considered these things, meaning it was still running through his head at that point. Uh, So it could have been a day after, you know, he noticed that she was pregnant or it could have been, you know, weeks or months even.
2: Yeah. So we don't really have a, a clear time frame for that part
1: one way of clarifying this is potentially to look at luke one because that gives a more detailed explanation of this birth story so it looks like mary might even have known that she was going to be pregnant before she was pregnant and Mm -hmm. where i get that from is in verse uh let me see luke 1 26
0: from the fact that the section is titled the birth of jesus (laughs) foretold
1: Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) But let's go to actual passage text, not, uh, not necessarily the commentators categorizing
1: things for us. Right. So starting in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. born will be called most holy the son of god
0: yep so we definitely see a lot of future tense so mary knew about the prophecy before it happened yet in matthew it talks about joseph uh after she was found to be with child and so certainly mary has known for at least some time that she was going to be pregnant
2: but that time could be as little as a day like it could have been that very night that the holy spirit visits her
1: it
0: could be
2: yeah i'm looking for something very specific aren't i (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'd say may like not a day in three months or something like
0: that. All right, so let's, let's look for another question. So question number two, we, we've already spent a lot of time on one, and you can see how easy it is to get carried away with some of the questions and answers. But that's a good thing, because interpretation really should consume a good chunk of our Bible study time. I'm not just noticing, but trying to understand what we see in the passage.
3: Why was Joseph needed to marry Mary? Oh, well, that's a tongue twister. There's Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. But why was that even required? Why did Jesus require a father? Or I guess a earthly father? That is a good question. Why do you yeah. guys think? So I
2: guess there's two There's two um, dimensions to that. There's why does Mary need a husband? And why does Jesus need a father on earth? If he has his father in heaven. In fact, uh, I, I mean-
0: give you credit for both of those questions. That's numbers two and three.
2: Okay, well, let's, let's break that down into the first question. Why did... Mary need a husband. Now, normally you would say something like protection, status, provision, sure. honor.
3: I'd say protect and provide. It's also interesting that in verse 21 it says, "And you shall call his name Jesus, not Mary shall call his name Jesus." So he did have some responsibility.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I think also if we take the broader context of Jesus's uh, profession as tecton, as carpenter, and you know. Um, uh, some of the ancient legends around this it does seem that he grew up with joseph as his mentor you know teaching him craft and, and uh possibly probably also the law and things and uh raising him actually being his father so uh it's also when you look at the the narrative of zacchaeus this at the culture at the time the father was really the one who named the child they were they were asking they asked elizabeth what to name john the baptist she said john but John isn't one of isn't the name of Zacchaeus. Uh, it's not the name of one of your relatives. So why call him John? And then they turn to Zacchaeus and he writes down his little noteboard. His name will be John. And then he starts to speak again because he's fulfilled the prophecy of uh, the angel. So fathers really did name the children back then. So it's not surprising that that Joseph was visited and said, No, you have to be the one to name the child.
0: Right. So I'll count that as question number four, by the way, which is why is Joseph. To call his name Jesus instead of Mary, right? I mean, you could also, some people could say that it's just a general you, you. That's in verse 21. That wouldn't make much sense. So since the angel is not talking to a crowd of people, right? Observation, he's only, the only people in the room right now that we're aware of are uh, Joseph and the angel. And so we have to assume that the you is in reference just to Joseph, not just a, oh, and people generally will call his name Jesus. Which Which is also true. I've heard that explanation before.
2: That is also true, but it is, uh, it's definitely a delegation of responsibility to Joseph.
0: So back to a previous question then. Uh, so I would say, why is Joseph to call his name Jesus instead of Mary? That's kind of what I would say a difficult question, because it does require some, a good degree of research on historical culture. Uh, we've imputed what we've already done from our past history of learning that we've brought into this. So we didn't have to redo all of that research. Uh, what? Why does Mary need a husband? Is a critical thinking question. The passage doesn't specifically tell us that, but we can opine upon reasons, which we've said protection, status, and provision. And then the other question, which is there, there's I would call it an intermediate and a critical thinking because there's a definitive answer and then there's also the more critical thinking answers that you can come up with in addition on why does jesus require an earthly father and we haven't answered that yet
2: you know if we take seriously the human nature of jesus we have to i think recognize that he was influenced by his environment and i think it's very important here we would all say that every son needs a father Uh, i don't think it's insignificant that god provided him with a earthly father i don't think joseph was was just uh, disposable in the upbringing of jesus
0: so in essence you're saying that sons generally need a fatherly influence and jesus being the physical representation of god should model having a physical father too uh, in way in order to help us understand spiritual fatherhood
3: yes That's
2: i would definitely right. say that too i would definitely say that too but i was more going along the lines of jesus needed to have a good childhood
0: oh now, i got you
2: Okay. yeah but I, i'm also as i was saying, i'm also pushing up against the the fact that jesus is god uh and so there's the <laughs> the, the, the beautiful mystery that is the god man uh <clears throat> i've often wondered you know was it possible for jesus to sin like was it actually possible in the sense that he could have but he just didn't uh and so here you know could he have had a bad childhood and still gone on to be... Yeah, I think he probably could have. Yeah, there seems to be something important about the fact that God provides a good, stable home for him.
0: So what would be the answer to that question that actually is in the text already? And it's not in this text, I should say, but it is in surrounding text. <clears throat> are,
2: are, you, why... are you alluding to the flight to Egypt? Nope.
1: analogy. Uh, there you go. Aaron's got it. Tell me about it. Matthew just spent a big section of the text discussing genealogy and the importance of coming from david and abraham and so if jesus is going to be a part of that line then joseph needs to be the father
0: that's matthew's conclusion is that jesus is from david's line through joseph and jacob the father of joseph the husband of mary of whom jesus was born who is called christ and so because of that jesus had to have a human father in order to bring about that descendancy from david Now, if you look in other Gospels, some people say that Mary was also a descendant of David from a different genealogical line, uh, and that's why there's different genealogies, and therefore Jesus technically could have been considered a descendant of David through his mother, but you also have the issue that in the time, genealogies were always passed down through the father. So to say that he was a descendant of David by the mother would have been viewed as illegitimate, right? It would have had to have been through Joseph or his earthly father, and so that means that you know, since we can't really claim God, the father is a descendant of David doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It had to be through Joseph to be able to have that Royal lineage pass through in a way that the Jewish culture would have seen as legitimized by virtue of Joseph adopting Jesus.
2: Yeah. I much prefer that answer
0: actually. So question number five, let's keep going.
1: Who is the Lord referring? Is it God, the father? Is it Jesus, the second person appearing no, or not appearing, but the one sending the angel, or is it the Holy Spirit, or who, who's the one sending the who's, – who's
0: the
2: Lord referring to? I know John and I disagreed with this last time, at least very briefly. I said it was from God the Father. John, I think you said something like you didn't necessarily agree with that. I thought it was – it had to be God the Father because at this time, Mary is pregnant, and so Jesus is in the womb with all of his powers emptied out of him after Philippians 2. So I, I figure that you know if I've got the God the Spirit or God the Father left to send the send the angel that's my argument for it being God the Father.
0: Right, and just to be clear, I don't I don't know that I was saying that it was Jesus Himself. Uh, I was just saying that we don't necessarily know exactly how to interpret it. Other than an angel of the Lord is a generic reference to, I, uh, you know, one of God's angels. In the uh, Old right, Testament, yeah. sometimes the phrase is used to reference a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. I. But the Lord could generally, in certain cases, refer to any of the Godhead, or more appropriately, the Trinity collectively as a whole. So in this situation, I think you're probably correct that it is God the Father who would make the most sense if we had to pick one of the Trinity. But we could just as easily say the angel of the Lord. And by the way, the, the word is Kyrio, which comes from Kyrios, which is the word most commonly used for Lord in the New Testament, uh, most often to describe Jesus. But it has been used to describe the father as well. If you look in the Septuagint, you'll find references for that. But all of that aside, (laughs) uh, the point being angel of the Lord could just be one of God's angels might be an appropriate way to translate that.
1: Another question I had was, why did the angel appear in a dream rather than physically like he did with with Zechariah or in a vision?
2: It'd just be as simple as, God has multiple different ways of visiting upon us and it may just be through our individual needs that he will appear to some of us in some ways and others in other ways. I mean, cool. it's kind of, kind of a boring answer. but That's just I, saying,
1: oh, he just appeared to him because he appeared to him that way.
2: Yeah, so it's not really much of an answer, but it might be that Joseph wouldn't have done well experiencing God appearing before him or rather an angel appearing before him. He would have done better in a dream.
1: So he would have gotten too scared.
2: I mean, you know, some traditions say that Joseph was an old man at this time, and, you know,
0: angels are very scary people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He scared him to death.
0: Could have been. I'm going to call that a a critical thinking question, even though it could be a difficult one, because it's possible that if you did research on the totality of all the appearances of angels and found out they appear in dreams during these circumstances and in person on these circumstances, we might find a pattern. (laughs) But I have not done that research, so I don't know if it is an answerable question. So we'll call it critical thinking for now. I I like the answers that have been kind of thrown out. Part of me also wonders if angels we know are not omnipresent, right? (laughs) They don't have that characteristic of God, so they've got to move around. And if angels have to move around, then I almost wonder if in-person appearances are for when they are literally there and versus dreams might be a way of like angelic telephone communication hey, i'm just going to call them up and, and use this dream to communicate the message from a distance i don't know i'm just making things up but it's interesting to think about all right so we've got six so far we've got
3: four more to go what does it say for that which is conceived i mean shouldn't it be for he who is, has been conceived or could have been she but it says for that which is conceived
2: it might just be a figure of speech. It might just be the way they've translated it. Have we done the uh, the Greek on this? I mean, a sort of, a I am going to say a troll answer could be that this is just so early in the pregnancy that Jesus doesn't have a physical sex yet. But I didn't like that answer. I think it's just the, the language that's being used.
0: So the interlinear Bible translates it saying... Uh, Marian ten ganaica su to gar and You can all make fun of my Greek later. Ek numatos estin hagu. And they they translate it in the inner linear word for word, Mary as the wife of you that for in her having been conceived from the spirit is holy. So, this idea of that I technically that does appear that for in her having been conceived from the spirit, but it sounds like it's more just kind of the way that it flows in the Greek might just make more sense in their language than uh, the way that we would try to speak it ourselves in modern English. Yep, fair enough.
2: Is it possible to move on to verse 21? Nope. Back to 20.
3: (laughs) What did Joseph have to fear?
2: Mm. Um, Public disgrace, I suppose. I mean, it may well have been that there were rumors that he had been uh, cuckolded and that this wasn't his child, or that he was had sinned by sleeping with her before they got married.
1: It would be public embarrassment, or it would be a detriment to his reputation. It was the community that he had to fear. Right.
0: Interestingly, <clears throat> connecting that with verse 19, right, is that he has this potential fear of his public position, and People recognizing, oh, my goodness, look at Joseph, that guy who's got a wife with another man's kid, right? Yet he is still in the position of saying, but I'm afraid of taking on that responsibility, but I'm also not going to make her take on that weight either. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: just connecting those two concepts.
1: What
2: do you think he was debating in his head? What was actually the going back and forth, the pros and cons of taking this action? What was the dilemma for him?
1: Well, I think it was only cons. I don't think there were any pros, which is why he chose to divorce her quietly. So the reasoning would have been, so he's a just man. He's not willing to put her to shame. He fears public shame or embarrassment or whatever things are associated with that. So he's like, oh, this makes sense why I wouldn't want to marry her.
0: So it'd be an intermediate question because I think that that is, you can look at those surrounding verses and get a pretty good idea of exactly what Aaron just said. All right, that's nine. Give me one more.
2: Why does the angel call him the son of david in the dream and i, I mean I, I mean something more deep than why is joseph identified as the son of david because he's from the line of david i mean why is he addressed the son of david here
1: yeah like why was that important for david or joseph to know yeah being addressed that way
2: exactly like if i if i uh, said john um founder of rpc
1: son
3: of <laughs> like, john.
2: yeah or uh there's, there's a reason why I've given you that title in what I'm going to say next.
0: Yep. And I would say that the answer is connected to the genealogical issues we brought up, which is that he is obviously making a prophecy about the Messiah's coming, and he's letting David know this is a big deal, <laughs> right? Or not David. He's letting Joseph know this is a big deal. This son of David prophecy is something that's going to happen now, and you're going to be part of it, <laughs> right? <clears throat> And so I think that whenever people heard of the son of David, I have to imagine that every Jewish child knew what that meant. And as far as I understand, I, most Jewish children were in consistent uh, classes studying and learning the scriptures, and even most of them having to memorize the entire Old Testament, I, or maybe not most, but a lot of them. <laughs> and so Joseph would have been very familiar with the Old Testament, the prophecies, I'm sure the phrase, the son of David, I, as we can see through its use in the new Testament had become popular in Jewish culture to use in reference to the Messiah. And so I, he's not necessarily obviously calling Joseph the Messiah, but he's saying, because you're a son of David, your son will also be of David. And that emphasis is coming along.
2: So in other words, he's saying, uh, actually, you know, also this must've come in a context of uh, like, if it, if it wasn't that Mary told him immediately, because we, This is perhaps unanswerable when exactly he found out and resolved to do these things. But if she was publicly showing, they would have had a discussion about it, probably an argument. Like she would have explained about receiving this visitation by an angel and being told that the Messiah is growing inside of her. And then when the angel comes, he addresses him in these messianic terms. So basically confirming what
0: Mary has said already. Right. So let me skip, since we've already done 10 questions, I'm going to throw out two more because we haven't done two types of questions. We focus mainly on intermediate, difficult, and critical thinking questions, which is where the bulk of them should be. Uh, basic questions would include something like, uh, but as he considered these things, who was considering these things, right? Oh, he, Joseph, okay? So that would be a very simple basic question that if I'm reading this with my children, I would ask those questions because I want to make sure that my children are understanding it and they're not fluent enough with Scripture just to pick that up off of a first grasp, right? So basic questions have great value for young believers. Don't exclude those just because we sitting here uh, would find them too trite to mention. Uh, That said, there are also categorical questions, and I'm going to have you guys ponder just for a second. Uh, Why? is verse 20 in the Bible in the first place? Or why generally are we hearing the inclusion of this story of how Mary and Joseph came about, you know, debating, well, do I marry her? Do I not marry her? Do I, uh, what's going on with this kid? It's coming from the Holy Spirit. Why is all of this in here at all? Do we really need to know it? Does it really bear on the cross and our salvation? I think
2: the reason why it's included in the Bible is because of the surrounding Messianic prophecies about where the messiah will be born he will be born in bethlehem uh, for one thing and then we're going to go back to bethlehem because of the census and we're going to bethlehem rather than somewhere else because joseph is from bethlehem so joseph is important and uh but you know why did he maybe there were questions about why joseph chose to marry mary when she was born of uh which was giving birth from another source than himself and you can, you can actually imagine that the gospel writers chose to include that because this was a real question that skeptics were raising at the time, as they are still raising today. You know, It's one of the, uh, the clever little gotcha questions about um, or gotcha quips that Mary would just made up the whole thing, and now we have a religion about it. You know, that's one you hear very often around Christmas time. Uh, so it could genuinely have been in response to people asking about this virgin birth.
1: I like what you said about Jesus Christ being born in the flesh. Like there are and have been a lot of heresies um, that specifically say that Jesus did not come in the flesh. So I think saying that the body is bad or creation is bad, the flesh is bad. Um, God would not come in a, you know, come in human form. It, this is like the actual physical story of that happened. Like it's a normal story where it's God is intersecting in people's lives. It's happening through their lives. You know, it's real people in the sense of, okay, yeah, this is Mary. She's a real person and Joseph, a real person. They're both like having to deal with, oh, the son of God is being conceived in Mary. So how do you deal with that? It's not just like, oh, he popped out of nowhere. Or it's not just like a kingdom being, you know, where the gods come and say, oh, you're going to be born of you know this god is going to be born so you're going to have to take care of them no he's coming down just like a
2: random family so it's a bit like saint augustine's quip of interfaces at uranum naskima between um uh poo and pee we are born and jesus is born in the same way that we're born and hey here's a whole bunch of naturalistic elements to that story to remind you yeah that this was a real physical birth that happened and this was our lord in uh, these human terms, these natural terms.
1: I think so, yeah.
0: That's cool. All right, so let's move on to application for a bit. And we're just going to look for five applications here. And I'm going to ask each of you for one, and then one of us will get to list two applications. So what is something that you can look at in this verse and say, I'm going to do this differently in my life this week because of what I just read. And obviously the, the, the main one here is do not fear to take Mary as your wife. So the, the, the key application is don't be afraid of your wife, right? You got it. Oh, come on. Not that's even that's chuckle.
2: That's well, no,
1: don't, don't worry about taking a pregnant woman as your wife. like single moms or no
3: (laughs) (laughs) i do not endorse that (laughs) i will wait for a dream from an angel before i make any big decisions how's that one
0: (laughs) but did joseph wait for the dream from the angel before he made the decisions
3: okay i got a real one then if i do receive a sign if i do receive a dream whatever it may be then i will take it seriously so how can you do that this week I guess for me, it's reflecting on things in the past where God might've been speaking to me in my life, telling me that I should or should not do something. So consider those things and make more decisions based on that.
0: Right. So that's a good one, right? So now you're saying I am reflecting on this and just because it's observable doesn't mean it has to be observed. You can go in your room alone and reflect, Hmm, what has God shown me this week? And how can I take wisdom from that in my decisions
1: coming up? Right. Right. So that's good. I like it. Um, I'm going to obey the word of God, despite how difficult it may be. So in Joseph's case, it was difficult to hear the word of God come and tell him to take Mary as his wife. Because that's like, there's a lot on the line for him. um, And there's a lot of fear associated with that. So as I'm reading scripture, and I encounter something and reflect on or consider the different areas of my life, whatever scripture I'm reading, the Holy Spirit presses upon me to obey this particular thing to not be afraid of whatever consequences or like don't fear it basically don't fear obeying god because obeying god is always worth it yeah that was actually my one as well basically <laughs> we gotta find another one then Stolen.
2: i did i i came up with one while you were saying it though, so <laughs> fine. as you were saying john joseph was as all jews were very well versed in the law in the Old Testament, uh, you know, he was he was older. He was old enough to marry, at the very least, and so he had uh, also gained this age and a reputation for being just. And he could only have been just if he had understood the law very well. Now, being just, he was prepared when the angel came to tell him about the son of David that's coming to understand what this meant, what the significance of this was, and so he was ready for God, and so. Uh, My application will be to improve my own understanding of the law, of the Bible, its moral teachings, and be ready for whenever God calls upon me to do something, Hmm. just as Joseph did.
0: Okay, so how's that going to apply this week specifically?
2: This week, it may be that I spend a lot of time reading Leviticus.
0: Okay, I'll give you that. So I can observe you reading Leviticus. I cannot observe you generically being ready for whatever God wants. Yeah. Be, right. Yeah. So let's stay specific. But that's a good application point because now you're thinking here's something that I would like to be able to do generically, even if I may never get the chance. But I'm going to do this specifically in order to advance my preparedness.
2: Yes. Great. Learn the law
0: like a ancient Jew. Yep. So I'll throw out one of mine is uh, if <clears throat> we see through this passage that the Holy Spirit came and literally put a child inside of her and the way that the Holy Spirit interacts with people is very different from the way the rest that the other two members of the Godhead have, right? And that it, there's a lot of mystery about it. Not very many people th- seem to fully comprehend the work of the holy spirit how he does what he does or why but we know that it's significant and uh, we know that jesus says that the holy spirit's coming and the way that he manifests in our life today which didn't even exist at this time when jesus was being born right he's saying i'm leaving so that the the counselor might come and it's better for me to leave that you will have him and that just blows my mind that you would have jesus physically incarnate god walking in front of us so that we can see with our eyes, ask him questions, observe how he does things. And yet he's saying that that's not good enough. Something else is better. So when I think about that, it reminds me of Luke eleven thirteen, which in another version of this and it may even be matthews i can't remember uh but jesus is telling the story of well you know if you fathers know how to give, give good gifts to your children even though you're evil how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him but the luke version specifies what the good gift is he says how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him Right. And so just as uh, the Holy Spirit came to Mary, and just as God is, or Jesus is saying in Luke 11, 13, that we can ask for the Holy Spirit too. That's something I'm going to do is pray more intentionally this week that the Holy Spirit would be in my life, indwelling within me. I, for I'm his temple, and to be able to live in uh, light of what he's guiding me. So time and prayer over that would be my application. One more, guys. Who wants to throw it out? It's a shame we don't have. Uh, screw tape with us i know It would have been a perfect one each (laughs) now remember if you're if you're preparing the bible study yourself and you're just doing it on your own for training purposes you should be coming up with all five by yourself just so that you can learn to see new applications in scripture that you naturally wouldn't think of because the first one or two are going to be easy like oh yeah this is what i should do based on this passage but when you start thinking Per verse getting five applications, it really makes you start thinking, man, there's more in the scriptures that affects how I can be living than I would know just off of a quick glance. So you always want to get past that quick glance
3: when you're Bible studying the Bible. So number five, let's hear it. This one might be a little bit of a stretch, but it says, do not fear. So an actionable thing I could do this week is not to fear to do things that I'm uncomfortable with, specifically when it comes to spreading the gospel.
0: Right. Or, or the more specific way to approach that is find something that would make you afraid and just go do it in order to practice not being afraid.
3: <laughs> right. So that's, that's easy to do. I will reach out to one person on my contacts list and see if they want to go play Frisbee Golf this week.
0: Excellent. I love it. All right. So that's all five and I, uh, that's all I got for the day. So hopefully starting with chapter two next week, and I know we didn't go in depth on every verse in chapter one, I, uh, and we probably won't go in depth in the verses in chapter two and all that, but we will talk through what we've discovered having gone through our Bible study. And I, uh, I'm looking forward to starting jumping through larger chunks of scripture, but beginning with chapter two, this is going to be fun guys. Looking forward to it. Cool. Anybody Sounds want good. to pray to close out?
2: I can pray us out. Lord, We are going very deep into these passages. And although next week it sounds like we might not be going so deep into any particular passage. um, We are really seeing just how much can be drawn out of even a single verse, even a single word in some cases of your scripture. Uh, How it can change our lives if we're mindful about it and if we're deliberate about applying what we learn uh, from your word. And I pray that we are given the we and everyone listening in who wants to join us in this are given the daily habit of studying your word and the wisdom to find so many different observations, interpretations and application questions uh, from each of these verses. It's a difficult but rewarding task. And I pray that you uh, will give us the strength and the wisdom to be able to do that. Uh, Amen.